Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 93 The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he is girded with strength. He has established the world and shall never be moved. Your throne is established from old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. More majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, more majestic than the waves of the sea, Majestic on high is the Lord. Your decrees are very sure. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verses 20 through 33. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, the secretary Shaphan, and the king's servant Asiah, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that has been found. For the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us is great, because our ancestors did not keep the word of the Lord, to act in accordance with all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had sent went to the prophet Huldah, the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, son of Hashra, keeper of the wardrobe, who lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and spoke to her to that effect. She declared to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, I will indeed bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, so that they may, so that they have provoked me to anger with all the works of their hands. My wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against his place and its inhabitants. And you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. I'll gather you to your ancestors and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I'll bring on this place and its inhabitants. They took the message back to the king. Then... The king sent word and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. The king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, keeping his commandments, his decrees and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin pledge themselves to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem acted according to the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were in Israel worship the Lord their God. All his days they did not turn away from following the Lord their God of their ancestors. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, 
looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Good morning and welcome to the sixth uh, Wednesday of Eastertide. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from... Where am I broadcasting from? From Frederick, yeah, South Frederick, Maryland. Um, our readings come to us today from Psalm 93, Second Chronicles 34 and Luke 2. I'm sorry I missed yesterday. Uh, it was just one of those moving days. I'm kind of surprised that I'm, I, I'm able to record this morning. But um, later in the week as well, I will be um, on my own with the kids. So it, there might be another day this week that I miss. So I apologize in advance for that. Um, this morning we hear about not only Simeon and Anna from Gospel Luke, but also um, the people and the and King Josiah uh, in Second Chronicles, and it's always kind of fascinated me this uh, this moment in the life of Israel, uh, the Southern Kingdom in particular, um, when they have found a book of the law, and scholars think this is probably Deuteronomy the fifth book of the Bible and the last that are contained within the Torah. Um, And what they think happened is like there's this scroll, uh, which we think is Deuteronomy, that they find. And it seems to like recapitulate, a recap all the stories of Israel that are contained in the other four books of the Torah. Not word for word, and you know, there's slightly different take, um, but it, uh, they find it one day, and as the story goes, and it's it's reported, I think also in in Chronicles. I'm not 100 percent sure though. Um, the uh, they find it, you know, buried somewhere, you know, on some dusty shelf, and it seems really, you know, scriptural for lack of a better word. Um, you don't write like the the other books are written normally. Um, and it talks about God and all these promises. And so they bring it to the king and the king brings it to the prophet Holda. And Josiah was one of the, the kings that uh, was both popular and um, did good in the sight of the Lord. And so Josiah, he takes these things and there's some things that were prophesied against Israel. And it was in a time 
um, when the people kind of weren't doing so great before God. And so that's why um, Holda's kind of like second part of her prophecy was, well, you're going to die before you see all the things that I'm going to have to do to Israel. Um, but what fascinates me about this story is it's like this self-referential, it's like it's almost breaking the fourth wall where if you're reading Second Chronicles and you're reading the Bible canonically the way it's presented in most modern Bibles, you've already read Deuteronomy. And it isn't named and you know there's not 100% certainty, but it's pretty strong consensus that this, the book of the law that they found is our, what we call Deuteronomy. And so you've already kind of gone through this and then you get this reference within the text itself to itself. Um, and it's one of those things that early on when I heard this story, um, and I haven't read it like super closely, this is just kind of one of those things that just kind of piques my interest. Um, it's one of those things where it got me thinking and interested in understanding the context within which the the Bible takes shape, um, both the setting, you know, when it was it's depicted, and then also the context within which those post dated writings, you know, writings say when you're twenty, reflecting back as though you're you're ten or something. Um, also, you know, the, the historical context of both, right? Of when the setting of the story is and when the probable writing of the story is. And that's also happens to be important for the New Testament. Because if you don't know, um, and it's not, it's, not, it's not unknown in most scholarly circles, but it's not talked about in a way in political theology and, I suppose, exegesis, that is that would be, I think more helpful or honest. And what I mean by that is, so the when the Gospels are being written, the political situation is more dire and more contested and animated than when Jesus walked on the earth. And Mark, one of the more anti-imperialist writings of the New Testament, was written right in the middle of the Great War, the the the. Uh, Jewish-Roman War, when the temple is ultimately destroyed and, um, you know, fundamentally changed the direction of both what become both Christianity and Judaism when, you know, the temple in Jerusalem is no more. Um, and so if you don't know any better, you might think, oh, yeah, you know, the the evangelists are writing about this not-so-different time, but it actually was kind of different. Um, if you take Mark and, and John, who have a more animated view against soldiers, and you think that what they're saying about Jesus, which is taking their own context within which they are writing and throwing it back onto Jesus' ministry in such a way that implies that there's more animosity against soldiers than there really was. Before 70 AD, there were no legionaries in Galilee. Antipas's army was in, was there, and they were all indigenous forces, like they're not light-skinned foreigners, and they're not, you know, their teeth aren't set against one another, and if they were, Antipas was certainly aligned with Rome, um, but the soldiers that Jesus encountered, particularly in Galilee, would have been Syrian, and they would have been much more similar to 
Palestinian Jews like Jesus than light-skinned, you know, Italian-born legionaries from the peninsula. Um, and so the 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 mixture of history in writing is just really rich, especially you know in this part where you know perhaps the entire book of the Bible has been discovered and is being written about in the Bible. Um, and it's not so different in the 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 mix of history and writing that occurs in the New Testament. You know, this almost self-referential that you you know if you know it's there things kind of take a, a slightly different color. If you don't know it's there, you just kind of take for granted that maybe, you know, soldiers are the bad guys or, you know, Herod is all bad. Um, I mean, he had a lot of building improvements, just like Solomon. Um, he pissed off the poor by taxing them, but he also made the middle class pretty happy. So it depends whose perspective you're reading from and whether or not they're doing the kind of work to understand the writers and the communities that produce these writings in a way that reflects historical credibility, not only uh, for the setting of the writing, but also the setting of the story. It might be complicated, but I don't know. It just it's fascinates me, and maybe it fascinates you to think about um, you know how these things intersect and how they shape uh, scripture and how they might uh, inform and enrich our own faith. A Prayer for the Good Use of Leisure from the Book of Common Prayer O God, in the course of this busy life, give us times of refreshment and peace, and grant that we may so use our leisure to rebuild our bodies and renew our minds, that our spirits may be opened to the goodness of your creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.